All right, uh, welcome everyone. Uh, so uh, today I'm excited to introduce uh, Vince D'Angelo. Uh, he's an electrical engineer and program manager at uh, SRC. Um, he has a lot of very interesting background, uh, well, including uh, um, directing the uh, science, technology, educational leadership rotational program. Yep. Uh, Stellar, right? Stellar, uh, yep. And uh, <laughs> also is directing, uh, well, lead systems engineer on a counter drone uh, program for the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're excited to uh, have him come talk to us today. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. So uh, this past holiday season, uh, m somebody decided that it was going to be a great idea to get my eight-year-old son one of these little helicopter toys, right? You know, a little remote control helicopter. And he was extremely excited, like over overjoyed that he got this thing and he was like dad can we bring this outside and i was like sure let's go outside we'll, we'll plug it in it'll be great and you know so he's he's playing with it and uh we're making it go over here and then it's hovering and we make it go over there and it's hovering and it's great and then all of a sudden i started to see this helicopter just kind of start creeping up and creeping up and creeping up and, and I said, I said, Charlie, you got to bring it down. You got to bring it down. You got to bring it down. And he's like, I can't, I can't, Dad. And so, so I grabbed it. I'm like, it's not working. And it just kept on going. It just kept on going. It just, and then we watched it go over our house. And then we watched it go over the neighbor's house. And then it just left. <laughs> and his, 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 his joy just went to pure deflation. It was just so sad to see that look on my son. And then later on during the summer, um, I was actually at a concert, an outdoor concert. And uh, I was, you know, watching the band and all of a sudden overhead, I saw this red light kind of appear and it kind of just started to come down and kind of started to hover. And then it just settled right over top of me, about 20 or 40 feet above me. And I don't know whether this drone was uh, trying to take pictures for the news or whatever, um, or maybe they were trying to record this concert, you know, illegally or something like that but it made me realize and feel a little bit uneasy. And I guess the point of these stories is that drones can do some very unpredictable things and they can also uh, pose a serious threat to our society, right? They can pose a, they can pose a, a threat to our, phys our physical nature, our cyber nature, as well as our privacy. And so, um, I'm here to kind of talk about SRC's approach to how we can help integrate these into the national airspace as well as um, counter uh, these drones and protect um, our way of life. Um, like you said, my name is Vince D'Angelo and I've been with SRC for, for over 10 years now as a systems engineer and uh, dealing primarily in radar and systems design. And now I'm currently taking on a, a, a lead systems engineering role on this Silent Archer uh, program that we're developing for the Army. And I'm here to talk a little bit about that particular program, some of the threats, how do we identify these threats, what are some of the missions, what are some of the trade spaces, and how do you actually counter some of these things. And uh, a short disclaimer that some of the information is sensitive. And so I can't go into a deep technical dive on any of the techniques that we have, um, but I will try and answer any of the questions that you have as far as I can take them. So with that, um, I will get started. Um, so let's define the UAS airspace, right? This, this unmanned aerial system. I, we've all heard about them, they're everywhere. You can go to Walmart and get one for a hundred bucks. Um, 
and they can be used for some incredible things, right? Like if you have a bridge that you need to be inspected, you can take a drone and fly a camera up there and go someplace that a human would be either expensive to go to or dangerous to go to. Drones are very, very capable and uh, are, are great assets for us. You can use them in agriculture to evaluate crops, take samples of particular crops, determine what needs more fertilizer, determine what needs more water and things like that. Um, you can use them uh, for security measures, right? At a local fair, we were using drones to help evaluate traffic patterns and identify different parking spots. And so drones are being integrated into our daily lives more and more and more. But with anything, right, people can use the technology to do to do some bad things, right? And so they're being, uh, being used on the battlefront. They're being used in uh, terrorist operations and things like that, reconnaissance, targeting, attacking. Um, and the Silent Archer uh, product is designed to help counter that and to help identify those threats and protect. So we've got this, UA, uh, this UAS threat. Okay, so what are some of the challenges that, that these threats pose? What makes them so difficult to counter or even identify, right? And the first thing is that they're available and capable, right? Like I had already mentioned, you can go to Walmart and you can buy these things. You can get them right off of Amazon and uh, they're inexpensive, they're readily available, they're getting more and more robust all the time, right? Uh, hobbyists have been using remote control aircraft for a while now, but the technology has finally gotten to the point where they're mainstream and very popular and very capable. Um, they're improving, they're easy to fly, the control mechanisms in there are very easy um, and, and capable. Detectability, right? Often these things are very small. You can get little, uh, little drones that fit in the palm of your hand. And so being able to properly detect those with something um, is a very, very difficult and challenging problem. Uh, clutter and discrimination, right? So from a radar perspective, you are getting clutter on, on anything, any energy that you're sending back. And you need to filter out that energy and pick out just the targets that of our of interest to you. And how do you discriminate those particular targets, right? One of the big challenges that we have are discriminating from, from these particular uh, drones or UAS uh, from, from other small targets like birds or flocks of birds or even uh, clutter, uh, clouds, things like that. So how do you properly discriminate? They act the same way, they look the same way. How do you discriminate from them? Um, blockage. Right? Especially in an urban environment, you're talking about drones that can fly around buildings, that can take a low profile, and so you're not able to get visibility on them, so they kind of, kind of, no pun intended, fly under the radar, basically. And so uh, it, that limits the operational timeline, right? You have very little time to react once you do notice something, and that's a, that's a critical feature of, of these. Identification. Right, so if you've tracked something, you know something's out there, how do you actually tell um, uh, what type of UAS it is? Many of them um, use very common data links. They, they use a lot of the same architectures, a lot of the same, uh, same things. And so identifying friend or foe can be very, very difficult. Um, determining an intent as well, right? Like is this, you know, 
Joe uh, out, out at his garage flying something, or is this somebody that's really intending to do something harmful to, to somebody? And then how do you actually mitigate and defeat this thing, right? Like, you don't, uh, it has to be very cost-effective. You have to be very certain. Um, you have to avoid collateral damage. What is the best way to remove this threat from the airspace? And so all of these are what makes UAS is very challenging. So what do our customers need? What, what, what type of mission do they need? Um, right, so I kind of bend it into two different things. You need mobile applications and you need fixed applications, okay? And so from a mobile perspective, you have uh, patrols that are going out and securing facilities, they're convoys, they're moving they're under attack from these particular threats. And so you need, you need an application that is mobile, mobile in nature. You also need an application that is fixed in nature, right? So you wanna, you wanna protect a, a particular um, operating base. Um, you want something that's a, more of a fixed site, um, such as like power plants or a particular um, embassy or some, some uh, high value structure, something that's gonna be permanently fixed. And then you also need something that can be used in high visibility events, um, such as the Olympics or the G8 or you know, very important people um, that, that would be visiting uh, certain things. And so you need a product or something that can handle all of these use spaces. So how do we actually try and counter these things, right? We kind of went through some of the, yes? So the, the UASs you're trying to focus on, are they, on all the ones that might be of a threat, are most of them commercial or are some of them going to be able to have different capabilities and therefore maybe use different spectrums or protocols in those spectrums Absolutely. that you can focus on? Yep. So that's a great question. The, the use case is for both. Right, so, so there's these COTS availability of, of drones and UAS, and there's also very specialized, very militarized applications, very customized uh, for a particular mission. And so we're trying to counter both of those situations. So when you say COTS, you mean commercial off commercial the shelf? Commercial off the shelf, yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. And so how do, you, how do you counter both of these uh, different types of drones? Um, Right from, a, from an electronic standpoint, you can issue an attack. Whether you're jamming it, whether you're confusing it, whether you're trying to hack into its network, that type of stuff. You can issue electronic attacks. You can also issue you know, um, weapons or dazzlers, um, high energy RF, high energy lasers, things like that. You can um, anti-aircraft weapons. Um, Basically, anything that you want to be able to deploy to take these things out of the airspace, you need a system that's able to cue them and to send that information to the thing that's going to do that countermeasure. So from a radar perspective, SRC is, is, is very good and has a solid reputation for radars. You know, what makes this uh, target set uh, difficult for radars to, to detect and identify, right? And we kind of already go to, went over a little bit of these, right? So they fly at low altitudes, right? So you're encountering um, clutter, 
uh, close to the ground, right? You're sending RF energy out and uh, it's bouncing off of, the, off of the ground and off of the trees and it's scattering and your returns are kind of buried in the clutter. And it makes it difficult for you to pull that target out of that particular environment. Um, you also have poor line of sight, right? You need to be very high in order to see these, uh, see these particular targets. And so how do you, how do you mitigate that um, is, is part of, what, of part of what we're trying to do. You know, you can use multiple sensors, you can fuse data, um, provide electronic steering, um, a lot of different things that you can try and do to tackle that. Right, not only are they low, but they're small. And so uh, you, you run into classification issues, detectability, right? And so you wanna be able to put as much energy on those small targets as you can. Um, and you want to use a lot of expansive data sets, right? The more data that you get, the more data that you collect, the more data that you can analyze and really get a good feel for this particular target. They're flying at low speed. So radars use uh, what's called Doppler processing, right? To evaluate direction and, and, and how targets are moving and what, how fast they're moving and what direction they're moving. And um, you can, you, we, you need, pretty good Doppler resolution and different classification algorithms to do that. Um, target density and maneuverability, right? There's the potential to have more than one target. Um, there's the potential to have target plus clutter. And how do, you, how do you handle the processing of all those individual targets and really pick out which tracks are important? SRC actually makes um, a radar, we call it the LSTAR radar for counter UAS, and it does all of those things. Um, it handles uh, targets that are slow moving, uh, tracks uh, and, and detections uh, right in this sweet spot of, of the, where drones operate. And so we've actually been uh, using the LSTAR radar uh, for, for up to almost 10 years now, um, proving this out. And uh, it's one of the, the, one of the, the staples of, of SRC. So outside of the radar, what else can you use, right? And so you might think, well, we can use a camera to actually visualize these things, right? And so you can have a, an electro-optical or an infrared camera, and uh, you can try and get eyes on it, right? Some actual visual confirmation of this target before you try and engage it. Um, what are some of the challenges to that, right? You, range limitations, for one, right? You can only see so far with, with, with a camera. Um, atmospheric conditions, right? Say it's foggy, say it's rainy, then you're kind of operating blind with a camera. It, it, it degrades your performance. Uh, video tracking, right? So some of the work, some of the work needs to be done to to actually track a particular target in actual video and differentiate that from other targets and actually slew the camera and and track it. And then finally, identification, right? Like that classic classification discrimination problem. How do you tell whether this tiny little dot far off is an actual threat, is an actual drone? And so there are some challenges to using exclusively this camera. Well, how about listening to the spectrum, right? So these things have to be controlled from somewhere. Couldn't you just kind of like listen to the spectrum and figure out, you know, if there's a, if there's a drone in the area? And you also have some challenges to this, right? A line of sight as well. You need uh, some pretty good line of sight to be able to 
to be able to discriminate these communication links, to identify these communication links. Um, one of the problems that drones pose is that they're constantly being updated. And so there's new software releases, there's new control releases, there's new uh, communication releases on a, on a very regular basis, which makes them very difficult to counter from, from this um, EW perspective. And then you also have the spectrum density, right? This, this control link is not the only thing that's being transmitted out there. There's tons of other um, electronic signals bouncing all around, and how do you tell whether or not this electronic signal is really a drone communication link? So I kind of want to walk you through a scenario here. Um, so say you've got um, a bad guy and he launches something for surveillance purposes. He wants to kind of see what's on the other side of the hill. He wants to see what's going on, right? So he's controlling that guy. He's got that bird in the sky and, oh man, I'm going to get them. Well, you can use a radar to try and get some energy on that and detect that particular target. And so the radar identifies it. It's got some detections. It's going to start to track that, that target and it's going to try and identify that target as something that's real and, and, and actually in the sky. It's going to then cue this camera. So it can then say, hey, camera, slew to this location, and I want you to get some actual visibility on this particular target before we try and do something. And so the camera will then slew to that target, zoom in, and the operator can actually um, confirm that there is actually something in the sky. Then the operator can then have, having the complete air picture, having complete knowledge of what's in the sky and, and solid confirmation, can then deploy an electronic counterattack, right? And so from an electronic warfare piece, you have um, a communication link that uh, we have a directional finding unit that will actually issue a line of bearing for that particular thing, uh, giving additional confirmation that there is a target in this direction and here is its. Uh, controller. And so from, from an electronic standpoint, we can then do what we need to do to electronically disrupt that communication link, to electronically confuse it, to do whatever we can do to take that link down and to take that dro uh, drone out of, out of the sky. And so from a, from a perspective of uh, the Silent Archer product, Right? It takes a problem and a threat and it applies a system of system approach to it. There's no one solution, there's no one uh, silver bullet, if you will, that's going to be able to, to counter this. It's going to take fusing all of this information using multiple subsystems to accomplish the mission. And it leverages a lot of off-the-shelf subsystems that already currently exist. And so we kind of walked through a lot of these already from the radar, um, gives you early warning of the UAS and its position and it cues the other sensors. The EW component, right, so it's identifying the signals and uh, disrupts the communication link. Uh, the, the camera, the infrared system, uh, will actually narrow its focus and give you an additional, uh, different, <coughs> different piece of confirmation. 
the directional finding unit will give you additional line of bearing for where that controller is, for where that UAV is. And the architecture is very flexible, right? So you can add additional sensors. As new radars come out or new technologies come out, you can add acoustic for short range. You can add on-the-move capability for the radar. You can add all of these different things into the system of systems approach to help improve your performance. So SRC has actually been um, in the news recently. Um, we recently won a $65 million contract with the Army to deliver uh, these systems uh, for them and deploy them overseas. And uh, it's, been, it's been very wild ride for us. Um, it's been a very, very good ride for us, um, but a wild one nonetheless. And, uh, and, and, and we're getting some great follow-on work with this as well. And it's, it's, I can tell you that, that this problem threat is not going to go away. It's just going to continue to stay here, and uh, it, it's, it's definitely going to stick around. So does anyone have any questions on that? I kind of flew through that, but any questions? Yes? Is there any moves afoot to make the, the deployable package set smaller? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we're constantly um, evaluating you know, size, weight, and power along with cost and trying to bring all of this technology into, into a much smaller package. And as the technology improves, um, that's going to happen for sure. Yep. Well, the more, the more uh, sensors you have out there, uh, the better the accuracy is going to be um, because you're going to get more hits on that target, you're going to get more confirmation, and you're able to fuse that data together to, to get uh, better insight and accuracy for where that is. So, so yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure, I'll ask a question. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the future, as AI advances, uh, you know, we might have some of the drones flying around with actually no human operator. Absolutely. Um, you know, how does that change the picture in terms of how you detect or disable them uh, yep. when necessary? Yep. Well, the detection piece uh, from a radar perspective will, will remain constant, right? Um, but you will, you will have to come up with additional ways to counter that. And SRC is doing research currently on those, on those methods. How, how do you defeat those types of targets? But, but you're right. Yep. Right, I'll ask one more, yeah, please uh, do. One more question. <laughs> um, so, okay, at uh, um, some of the security conferences recently, there's been a lot of work on confusing deep learning algorithms, and so you'll have you know, people who take a stop sign and, you know, add a couple stickers and all of a sudden, you know, the deep learning algorithm, instead of, you know, interpreting this as a stop sign, now interprets it as a speed limit, 75 mile per hour right. sign. Um, you know, to what extent is that a risk uh, or similar types uh, of attacks a risk uh, mm -hmm. in this setting? And uh, mm -hmm. are you allowed to say anything about what you're doing? I was going to say, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can uh, go into detail about that. Um, but I will say that that is part of the threat, is that they are trying to uh, disguise, uh, manipulate the detection means. Um, so that is something that, that we're having to put in, absolutely, countermeasures to, 
kind of counter their countermeasures, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yep. I know I apologize I can't go into detail, but it is very sensitive. <laughs> Any other questions? All right, let's thank Vince. Thank you.